Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. The first week of Sunbelt Conference play, it's behind us and week six action gets underway in just three more days. Before we get to today's episode, we wanted to tell you about our most recent one. We released our week five recap where we broke down Saturday's biggest games. Plus, Caden and I recapped all the need-to-know storylines ahead of week six in the Sun Belt. If you missed it, make sure you go back and give it a listen. Today, it's episode 124 of the show, and we're excited to welcome our latest Sun Belt athlete of the season to the Prairie and Smith podcast. Each Wednesday throughout the season, we're talking to the Sun Belt's biggest stars. We've had Grayson McCall on. Richard Jubinor has joined us. You'll really enjoy today's guest, and we've got plenty more still to come. With that said, Caden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's special guest? Special guest is definitely the word to describe this guy. It's a guy who obviously plays for a school that's a little bit more partial to myself and had a great moment in the last game, the last weekend that we saw him in action. It's none other than App State kicker, the hero of the ULM game, Michael Hughes. Well, Michael was the number one kicker out of the state of West Virginia and the number 13 overall kicker in the class of 2019 after attending George Washington High School. It's actually the alma mater of current App State head coach Sean Clark as well. After arriving on campus, he went on to be the primary kickoff specialist for the Mountaineers in 2021, his freshman year. He finished second in the Sun Belt with 32 touchbacks that season and was fourth in average kickoff distance. Kane, he'll be forever remembered for a crucial onside kick that eventually helped you and your teammates defeat then number 14 Coastal Carolina at home. As a place kicker, Michael has had some huge field goals in his early career, most notably the game winner versus number six Texas A&M as well as the game-tying field goal versus number 17, North Carolina, to force overtime back in Week 2 this year. This year, he's gotten off to a fast start that's included making 10 of 13 field goal attempts, along with being a perfect 6 from 6 from inside 40 yards this year. He added another page to his extensive resume by hitting a walk-off 54-yard field goal, the longest field goal for an App State Mountaineer since 2000. To hand the Mountaineers a critical 41-40 victory over ULM, Michael continues to show why he is one of the best kickers in the Sun Belt week in and week out. Well, let's not waste any more time. App State's Michael Hughes is here. It's time to hear from one of the best kickers in the Sun Belt. Well, we are really excited to welcome our first ever kicker to the Prairie and Smith podcast, Michael Hughes from App State. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to join us. No, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Well, Michael, I got to start and just ask, what have the last couple of days been like? Well, it's definitely been a a hectic weekend. Uh, It's kind of bled over into, um, I would say now, um, today on Tuesday. Uh, Yesterday, I walked into class and I had an exam. I thought it was, you know, real serious tone. As soon as I walk in, I look up on the board and there's an article and it's, you know, Michael Hughes hit a 54 yard field goal to win the game. So um, it's, it's definitely been enjoyable. Definitely happy to get you on the podcast. It's always great to get a Mountaineer on here, Mike, but we'll get to that kick a little bit more later in this episode. But we wanted to start by asking just about your introduction to kicking. What was your origin story? How did it happen? And what really made you kind of go down that path and fall in love with being a kicker? Yeah, so I'm from West Virginia, um, for people who don't know. Um, I'm from a little town called uh, Sissonville. Um, And in eighth grade, my middle school football coach, he was a family friend of ours. Um, He 
came to my dad because my dad was a soccer coach and I played soccer from when I was three until I was 15. Um, he came to my dad and, you know, asked if I would, you know, be interested in trying it out, maybe seeing if I like it, maybe kicking for the team that season in middle school. And I was, you know, I was a little skeptical at first because um, that's something that's new, you know, it's a new sport. Um, I'd always enjoyed watching football, um, but never really thought about playing it. Um, and it kind of just took off from there. I went to the first practice of the of the year and hit a few field goals, nothing serious, um, but I enjoyed it. I, I fell in love with it from the beginning. Um, and that's kind of how it took off um, throughout high school. I would travel, you know, the, the country um, for, for camps and such. Um, but I transferred schools and my family moved into the city of Charleston um, going into the second half of eighth grade um, after football season. Uh, there, I think there was like six weeks of school left, so not long at all. Um, and I started in that new school district and I think that's really when things took off for me. Mike, some people might not realize that you went to the same high school in West Virginia that your head coach, Sean Clark, did. Uh, you were the number one kicker in West Virginia. You were number 13 nationally in that class of 21. What did that recruitment process look like for you? And what ultimately was the deciding factor to choose App State? Well, it was definitely it's, it's definitely tough for West Virginia kids to get recruited out of high school. Um, because of of the talent level that are in other states, such as Georgia, Florida, Texas, and so on. Um, so for West Virginia guys, I mean, we always have kind of like a chip on our shoulder, I would say. Um, you know, you have to work harder. You have to travel the country more than um, the regular high school, you know, student athlete has to, to travel. Um, so, you know, there were times where, you know, it, it was scarce. Uh, you didn't know if you know, this was going to be the day you woke up and something would come through or, you know, someone would be interested in you. Um, so it was it was definitely nice to to have that chip on my shoulder because now I carry that with me on my everyday life. Um, I feel like I have that instilled in, in myself and I now can move through my days with a chip on my shoulder and and just put that much more effort in. Mike, you had a big kick this weekend, but going back to your freshman year when you were just doing kickoffs, you were behind Chandler Staten, who's a great, you had an awesome moment that I think every App State fan remembers from the Coastal Carolina game. You had the onside kick. I know a little bit more of the backstory, but I want you to tell people more of the backstory because I know it's some good stuff. Could you just talk about the preparation of that kick in that moment and then what happened in that moment and executing that down 14 to seven and really swinging the momentum of the game, allowing our offense to get back on the field and tie things up? Yeah, so we had, uh, we had, drew it up um, two weeks before the Coastal game. Um, and it really wasn't planned for Coastal. Um, it was planned for whenever we needed it. Um, and I think the biggest thing about that whole, that whole series of time is that we hit it almost every single day in practice, whether it was during a special teams period or whether it was before or after practice, we had been re we had been repping it. We just didn't know when we were going to have the chance to do it or have the opportunity. Um, so coming into that game, you know, we had said that we were going to run it um, after our first touchdown if it was there. And you know, we get out there on the field, and I'll never forget Tyler Bird looking at me, and he's just like, "Are, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yeah, we're running it. We're running it." And Tuck kind of. Milan Tucker kind of looks at me. I call him Tuck. So Tuck kind of looks at me and he's like, you know, eyes wide open. And I'm like, yeah, let's get, let's do it. You know? Um, and it just planted, 
planned out in our way, man. And, you know, that was a good team win. So uh, I'm just glad it went in our favor. Well, I appreciate the uh, the backstory behind there. Having watched it on television, it's uh, it's definitely more interesting to hear what went into it. Um, that 2022 season, last year was your first year as the Mountaineers place kicker. You hit your first career field goal. It ended up being the game winner versus number six, Texas A&M. You got your jersey placed in the College Football Hall of Fame. How special was that moment for you and your family, given the journey that you've already described? Oh, man. I mean, that's that's an unreal feeling. Um especially doing this for so long and, and putting so much effort in with the support of your parents and your family around you and, and all the people that, that want to see you succeed and, you know, doing it for, for all of that, but also the experience is, is, is just unreal. Uh, especially for, I mean, a guy like me coming from a small town, not knowing if, you know, I was going to play college ball at all. Um, so I think, I think overall it was just a very cool experience because you know, these, these things, they only come around once in a lifetime for some people. Um, and I'm just blessed that God has, has given me the opportunity on, on multiple occasions to, to prove myself and, and, you know, be valuable for, for the program. Um, but that that Texas A&M game, it was, it was, it was fun, man. That was, that was a fun game. Now, as a kicker, we know it's not an easy spot to be in. You're always on the fringe of kind of love or hate from a fan base. To quote you in a recent interview, you said you're either a hero or a zero. Uh, people remember the Georgia Southern Miss last year. They most recently remember the block kick from Wyoming. How do you kind of maintain your confidence after moments like that? And how have those moments of adversity in the past kind of prepared you for the moment where you could come up big for the team on Saturday? Well, looking back at last year for the the Georgia Southern game, you know, I'm, I'm riding on a high the entire game because I – you know, I'm, I've hit four field goals at that point or three field goals at that point to keep us in the game, keep us neck and neck with them. And then I have the chance to to go down and, you know, seal the deal and send us to a bowl game. And, you know, it's just the, the name of the game is is being comfortable and such. And, you know, last year, if you really if you really think about it on field goal wise, I was, I was still a true freshman. Um, you know, this was my first time kicking field goals at a high level. Um, you know, it was much more pressure packed than what I would have thought. Um, but now with the, the growth that I've made over this year of being able to look back at that kick and realizing, you know, this is what happened. This is why I went wrong. You know, th- that's the growth that I, I take pride in myself because I want to be able to move forward and not let that hold me up and, and be able to, to have the confidence and, and the structure around my, my values and my core values as a person. Um, those are more important than, than any ball that I'll ever kick. So um, I worked really hard with that over uh, over the summer and over this, this past spring. Um, you know, my, my kicking coach, we had a lot of conversations um, on the phone over Zoom calls like like this one where he would share the screen and we'd go over my technique, like the technical side of the kicking and then where my mental head game is at. I've really expanded my mind over the last year and, and being more comfortable in those in those situations and just trusting the guys around me and and you know just being being a part of the team. Michael, we've danced around it long enough. This past weekend was obviously a big moment. You connect on a 54-yard game winner at ULM, the longest App State field goal since 2000. Before we talk about it though, here's Adam Witten's call on the Appalachian Sports Network from Learfield. Snap back, ball down. Hughes gets this one in the air. It is good! It's good! It's good! Michael Hughes 
from 54 yards away. App State wins it in Monroe. Sprint on out of here back to Boone. They escape in every sense of the word. Escape with a 41-40 to 40 win over ULM. Michael, walk us through what that moment was like for you. Talk about that final drive, taking the kick, and the celebration with your teammates afterwards. Yeah, so uh, I think we were down five, um, and we got stopped. We were in field goal range, so we decided to kick the field goal. Um, So we kicked the field goal. I think it was 30-something. Come off the field. And we kicked the ball off and they got it and we needed a stop. Um, and I was just over on the sideline, just sitting on the bench, um, just, you know, just watching on the video board. I don't usually stand and watch. Um, so, you know, I'm sitting over there, I'm watching on the video board and it's third down. So I, you know, I decided to get up and watch third down. Cause if we get a stop, it's big. Um, so we ended up getting a stop and I, I never, like I never kick in the net, um, and I'm going to definitely start kicking in the net now um, because this game I I kicked in the net uh, for some reason I don't know if I just felt tight I don't know if I just was not loose I don't know there was just something about it that I went over set the net up and I kicked three or four balls and then I went over and I got on the bike and I just watched Joey uh, take us down the field and I knew when we got the 10 second runoff penalty. Um, that it was probably going to end up being a longer field goal. I didn't know how long, but I knew it was going to be longer. Um, so I, you know, I just, I just trusted myself and the preparation, and trusted my teammates, and I uh, just thankful for John Stone and uh, Connor Maynard for getting the snap and the hold right. And you know, man, just watching them march down the field and then you know jogging out there with four seconds left, it was just that that was a moment that I, I, you know, those, those are moments that kickers dream of. Um, you know, being able to to do that cap off a road win. Um, so, you know, being able to to celebrate with the team afterwards, that was that's awesome. I've always wanted to do the the chant song after uh, after a win. So um, that was that was special. Did you know it was good off the foot? Yeah. Yeah, I actually did. Uh, I hit the same ball in warm ups, um, but it was a little bit deeper. And we uh, we knew the line uh, that we had to take. Um, I get out there. We got out there, and Connor and I, we we always talk about what what our aiming point is, what our line's going to be for the kick. Um, so you know, we talked it out, and you know, he just said, "Just be smooth and smoke it," and that was it. And uh, that that's a moment that I'll I'll always remember. So it was definitely uh, enjoyable. Definitely an awesome moment. Definitely appreciate the shout out to the to the snapper and the and the holder for that as well. I think those are the unsung heroes of those kicks too. But hundred percent, it's no secret that kickers in these games. Yeah, it's no secret that in these games, it's always impressed me with just the kickers I've watched personally watching you and state and work in the past is just the ability to stay ready during games. There's you know there was you kicked a field goal with ten minutes left in the game and then had ten minutes pretty much to rise to the occasion and do it again. Whether it's mentally or physically, how do you stay ready in those moments on the sideline and be ready when your number's called? Well, in high school, I was more involved with the game. Um, I would stand on the sideline. I would watch. I would yell, like, ball, like, run, pass, stuff like that. Um, But now I I think I'm more – I wouldn't say passive. I would just say kind of mellow um, throughout the entire game. Um, I try to stay on an even even level. Um, I don't ever get too high. I don't ever get too low. 
Um, sure. When I make a kick, like I'm very enthusiastic um, because I, I enjoy it. I love this game, man. I really do. I love kicking. Um, so, you know, I think that the confidence level um, is definitely there. Um, the confidence aspect, um, but being able to, to come off the field, you know, still have that enthusiastic energy carried over to a kickoff. Um, that way I can hit a touchback and have that adrenaline. Um, and then after that wears off, you know, I come off the field, take my helmet off. And then I usually just take a few deep breaths and just chill out, um, just relax. Uh, try to stay, like I said, even keel um, because you never know when those those moments are going to come and you, you have to be prepared for that. Now, I was recently talking to a current kicker at the Division II level about how he prepares as a kicker. He spoke a lot about the mental work he puts in. You kind of alluded to that earlier. What does your preparation process in the offseason and leading up to game days look like? Because it's really different than everyone else on the football field. 100%. Um, you know, where I don't have to go out and, you know, try to tackle someone. Um, mine, mine's definitely more mental. Um, like you said, it's, it's more... Uh, being able to trust yourself, being able to trust your teammates, being comfortable in a situation. Um, and something my high school coach said my ninth grade year, I'll never forget it. And ever since he said it, it's, it's been stuck, um, is be comfortable being uncomfortable. And once you can realize that that doesn't just apply to this game, that doesn't just apply to school, like that applies to life. And um, ever since then, man, I just, I just let things go. You know, I've just been more, more mellow. Um, but like on a game week, you know, it's how I'm, it's how am I hitting the ball that day? That's what I focus on. And when I focus on that, then I can really pick apart how I'm doing that day. And then that day I'll carry it over to the next. So if I'm kicking bad on a Monday, then Tuesday comes around I can literally watch the film from yesterday. I can critique it. I can know exactly what I did wrong, um, how to fix it. And then on Tuesday, that's it. You know, I let I let Mondays go and it's a new day. It's fresh. And I have to focus on the ball at my at my feet. You know, it's, I have to take it one rep at a time. And, you know, if I, you know, if I if I miss the next one, nobody cares. So that's that's the mentality that I that I approach with with game days. You've talked about how interesting and unique the position is, and I feel like it's almost a fraternity as as, as just a, a local community, a global community all around for kickers. We saw that you got to spend time with Pat McAfee on College Game Day in Boone last year. We've seen pictures on your Instagram with other kickers after the game. Could you maybe speak to the relationship you've been able to build throughout the country just through kicking in that position specifically? Yeah, for sure. Um, I only spent a few minutes with Pat. Um, I've, uh, watched his, I mean, I've watched his podcast since I was in 10th grade um, almost every day that he's on. Um, so it was a definitely a, a special moment for me to, to meet him and kind of get some guidance and some wisdom from him from over the years of him doing this. Um, and it, it was, it was nice to hear from him that, you know, he's also a West Virginia guy. You know, he went to West Virginia. Um, you know, he played there, uh, the, the story of him, you know, basically lying to Chuck Pagano and saying that he, yeah, he punts. Like, no, he never punted. Um, you know, he, he's just an all-around good guy. And he gave me his phone number, and I've texted him a few times, and it's it's good stuff. Um, but he, uh, he he's a busy man. But, uh, no, with, with the whole kicker, you know, culture, um, 
I tell you, man, I, I've met some really special people over the years and I've, I've been able to become friends with some really special people and, and build good friendships and be able to watch others succeed. And, you know, my going into my 10th grade year, I met my kicking coach um, now. His name's Adam Tanowski and he's from Buffalo, New York. And we all have this this, you know, brotherhood, really. Um, it's just like, you know, you're talking about pictures of me with other kickers from, uh, other games. So I'm assuming you're talking about Ryan Coe, um, like my friend Ryan Coe. I mean, he, he's my boy. I've known him for years. Um, uh, and you know, we'll be in the same class when it's time to try to go to the NFL. So, um, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll be right there. We'll help, we'll help each other through it. You know, we've been there for each other through the whole recruiting process to go to college and, you know, if I miss a kick, he'll text me, you know, keep my head up, next one, keep going, same vice versa, um, you know. And it's those friendships that you can lean on and when times get tough or, you know, when their times get tough. So it, it's special, man. It really is. And it, it really is like a big family. I think that's neat because, I, you know, I know Caden and I both know this from experience that anytime you're chasing a dream or a goal, it's nice to have those people along, you know, during that journey with you. Michael, jumping off the field, we wanted to ask you about NIL. Last Wednesday, you dropped your exclusive Michael Hughes collection with House United. What has that partnership meant to you, and how's the NIL space been treating you? Well, it's cool because when you're growing up, you always want to you know, have these kind of things and be able for, for people to be fans of yours. And, you know, that that's the, the kid dream is, you know, play at the highest level and have a lot of fans and everybody love you and stuff. But, you know, I think more of it as, as a, a great opportunity to, to grow my platform, to help others um, as, as crazy as that sounds, but that that's just something I've always taken pride in myself for doing. Um, you know, sure, the the merchandise is obviously to get my my name out there more and for people to support me. And and it's awesome. Like, I, I love that stuff. But, you know, the, I, the more that I think about it and the more that we talk about it, the the more that I've really focused on people like Sequoia Walker, like for like you said, like earlier, um, like the fundraiser stuff, um, you know, that that's a lot that that's awesome, you know, that being able to help her and help her family um, in times of need and being able to give back. That's, that's what it's about. But, you know, the relationship I have with house United, it's, it's special. Uh, they really care about all of their athletes. Um, they want it, they want what's best for them on and off the field. Um, and, and being able to have that relationship uh, to lean back on when times are tough and when they're good is, uh, is awesome. Hey, App State fans looking to secure a fresh new look for game days. We're excited to announce that we're teaming up with House United Sports and Michael Hughes to offer 15% off a replica Michael Hughes Appalachian State jersey when you purchase one using the promo code Frary Smith before 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. Visit HouseUnitedSports.com today to upgrade your game day wardrobe. Michael, you mentioned it when you were talking about your NIL journey, just how you are active in community service and fundraising causes. Earlier this year, you mentioned that you launched a fundraising campaign for Sequoia Walker, who had stage two breast cancer with the goal of raising $10,000 to help with her treatments and expenses. Could you maybe talk more about why that was so important to you and maybe give us a status update as far as how the fundraising efforts have gone? Yeah. So uh, before I was born, um, my dad's mother uh, passed away of breast cancer. Um, so, you know, I've always seen over the years how breast cancer has affected, uh, just my family and, and the people around me. Um, I had a, you know, a very good family friend of ours, um, 
his grandmother passed away of breast cancer. So, you know, being able to try to fight cancer, any cancer really, um, but breast cancer specifically um, is a lot to me and it means a lot to my family. Um, so being able to do that and help a young woman who, you know, she's a fighter, man, she's tough. She, you know, her story is, is unbelievable. Um, but I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, she's getting through it. Um, we raised, I think it was $5,700. Um, and that money really helped her out with medical bills, expenses, traveling. Cause she was going to Duke a lot, Duke university a lot. Um, for treatment all the way from West Virginia. So, you know, that, that takes a toll on someone when, you know, they're fighting this and, you know, they have expenses to be paid at home and other medical expenses and, you know, it's tough. So being able to be there for someone and support them and, and watch them, you know, achieve their goals as well is, is special. Well, it's neat to hear just how you're using your name, your image, your likeness in maybe a way that is different uh, than what we normally hear in the mainstream media. So good on you. Your parents certainly did a a great job raising you. Mike, before Caden put you through some rapid fire questions in a moment, we wanted to end by asking you uh, what you like to do away from football. What are some of your hobbies? How are you, you know, spending some of your downtime during the season? Yeah. So uh, I don't really get to play golf a lot during the season, um, but I'm, I enjoy playing golf a lot. Um, I, I play probably two, three times a week um, when we're out of season. Um, but really, man, I, I just like spending time with friends and family, um, whether that be, you know, playing video games with my friends from back home or, you know, going out to grab a bite to eat or just going over somewhere, watching a movie with some friends, you know, just that kind of stuff. I'm a social guy. I'm a relationship guy. Um, so, you know, being able to to do that and, that's, that takes a load off. Um, I mean, Caden knows, especially in this building. I mean, sometimes it gets hectic and, you you know, you're putting in some long hours. So being able to have like a, an outlet to kind of decompress for the evening or, you know, maybe a weekend, it, it's good. Appreciate you sharing that slice of your life off the field. I know you sounded a little bit nervous when we mentioned the rapid fire. Don't worry, Mike, I'm going to take it easy on you. Nothing crazy, but <laughs> you, you, you ready for a couple questions, man? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get right into it. First question: What's the NFL kicker? Who's the NFL kicker that you idolize the most? Justin Tucker. Now, if you didn't play kicker, what position would Michael? What what position would Michael Hughes be playing on the field if he didn't play kicker? Mm. I would say either punter or wide out. I've got I've got I've got some hands. I'm sure, I'm sure you got some sneaky hands, and I know you're a golfer, so I wanted to add the golf question in here. <laughs> Out, outside of yourself, Michael, who's who's the best golfer on the App State football team right now? Oh, Jackson Green's a good one. Um, I hear Mikhail Haywood's pretty good. Uh, I haven't seen him play, though. And I'd have to go with Anderson Castle. Those are those are the, probably the three. And they're all, I mean, I don't know. That's good. And I have one more bonus one. We usually do three questions, but I'm curious about this one. I just want to know the fourth. What is Michael Hughes' favorite restaurant in Boone, North Carolina? Oh, you said you weren't going to ask me any hard ones, man. <laughs> um, First one that comes to mind. Bella's. I've heard, I've certainly heard, uh, you know, some good things about Bella's, but Michael, really appreciate you taking some time to jump on the podcast. Obviously, congratulations on the big moment on Saturday and certainly wishing you and your teammates uh, best of luck and more big moments throughout the rest of the year. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Caden, 
we've been doing this for over a year. We've never had a specialist on the podcast. We decided to bring Michael Hughes on, and I got to admit, it didn't disappoint. It definitely didn't. He definitely didn't disappoint this weekend for the Mountaineers, and he definitely didn't disappoint as a podcast guest. He's a guy that was there my senior year as a freshman, just a guy that I knew had great character, had great potential, sitting behind the shadows of a great kicker. And I think that he showed now from waiting his turn, even having a big moment as a kickoff specialist, which is very rare, that he has a different kind of gene and that kind of gene I think you need as a kicker to show up for big plays and make big plays in those big moments. Okay, let's let's be you know real here. He, he flexed a little bit that uh, he texts Pat McAfee every once in a while. Uh, that's probably the biggest flex in Frary and Smith podcast history, right? Yeah, it's definitely a big one. I think we'll have to go back in the archives and maybe listen to some of the media day conversations because we might have had some flexes there. But no, as far as the specialist world goes and really just the sports media world in general, it definitely doesn't get much bigger than having a guy like that and Pat McAfee in your corner. So huge shout out to him for having that guy on his side. And I think if he keeps hitting game winners like this, I would imagine maybe the Justin Tuckers of the world and the others that have been in the high ranking kicker class in, in this in this world we live in with football now might be reaching out to Michael as well. Kane, we asked Michael about that moment, that onside kick versus Coastal Carolina. I was curious to hear your side of the story. Yeah, man, as someone who actually was on the App State punt team for a while and practiced a fake punt to me and never got to see it get executed in a game, for the fact that he got to see a moment like that and a trick play like that get executed was cool to see. But no, I'm pretty sure in that moment, Michael told me after the game, we had a signal that was going to determine if we're going to do that kick or not. And I think he got the signal not to do it, but still felt so confident in his preparation that he had to do it. And it was obviously a big moment in the game that swung things. It's definitely one that I'll never forget from the sideline just watching. And I think it's one that'll definitely ring true if you look in the App State history as far as cool, unique moments that are kind of hard to beat and are kind of priceless. Well, that will do it for another great episode of the Ferrari and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to App State's Michael Hughes, as well as the App State communication staff of Joey Jones and Brett Strulo for helping make this interview happen. Also, a special thank you goes out to Adam Witten and the Appalachian Sports Network from Learfield for providing the audio of Michael Hughes' game-winning kick on today's episode. If you're an App State fan or just a fan of college football, you can listen to games for free on the Varsity Network each week during the college football season. Before you go, don't forget, we'll be back with another episode on Friday where we'll discuss all the big games in the Sun Belt taking place in Week 6 including our game of the week, the highly anticipated matchup between Louisiana and Texas State. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, drop us five-star review before you go. Leave us five stars and let us know what we can be doing better or what you just love about the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. 